0: And those three junior super friends, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Their mission, to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind.
1: Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of For All Mankind, a Super Friends podcast. For All Mankind is a read-through show covering DC Comics' classic Super Friends series, which ran for 47 issues from 1976 to 1981. Proud member of the Fire & Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Gelly. And joining me this episode is my super friend, Jeremiah Jones-Goldstein. Hi, Jeremiah. How are you today, Rob? I'm doing great. Thanks for coming to by the Hall of Justice to talk Superfriends with me. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. We're going to be talking about Superfriends number 24, past, present, and danger. But before we get to that, Jeremiah, I have to ask you, like, what is your history with the super friends comic, if you have any at all?
0: The only history I have is through the show, actually. When you started uh, the this podcast, it's not a comic I was familiar with, so I picked some up when I saw them in a bin at a show, and I've enjoyed it and followed the show. But it's not a comic I read as a kid. I don't know how, why, but it's just something I missed out on. Was it around at
1: all while you were buying comics, or did it had it? You know, it ended in 1981. Were you buying comics at the time?
0: That's right. I mean, 79, 80, 81 is when we started buying comics on the newsstand. And it isn't something I remember seeing. Huh. That's interesting. I mean, we across all of my different comic book related shows, I've talked about
1: the vagaries of newsstand distribution and how there were lots of series that I never saw uh, in my local seven elevens and newsstands. But Super Friends was one I always saw. Uh, so it must have sold reasonably well in my general area because I always got it. And it was always a book that I saw as opposed to like say some of like the Marvel things I talked about on The Mountain Comics episode I did with Joe Duffy that like Power Man and Iron Fist was not something I saw all the time. So when I did see it, I would get it, but it was, you know, sparingly. But Super Friends was, oh, I always saw Super Friends.
0: So that's interesting that in your era, where did you grow up? I grew up in uh, Fairfield County, Connecticut, in Stamford. So pretty close to New York. And we would buy comics at a local stationery store. And we had all kinds of things like Star Wars and G.I. Joe and Batman, stuff like that. But I really don't remember seeing this title. Hmm. Okay.
1: All right. Well, I'm eager to find out what you thought of uh, this issue. Let's get right to the uh, the plot. Like I mentioned, the, uh, the, uh, the title is Past, President in Danger. It's by Denny O'Neill, not Sergius O'Shaughnessy, Ramona Frayden, and Bob Smith. It was on sale June 21st, 1979. Uh, first of all, let's talk about the cover. Uh, we've got this great image of the Wonder Twins looking evil in this chamber. And uh, they are uh, killing the super friends uh, as, as all five of our super friends are slowly choking to death on what looks like kryptonite gas. So uh, Jeremiah, what do you think of this cover?
0: I, I like this cover quite a bit. One because all five of the heroes mm-hmm. are there. The the look on Zan and Janus' face is really, it's really menacing. I mean, yep. like if you were a fan of the cartoon to see them looking this mean, <laughs> might have been a little shocking, I suppose. But it, it's dramatic, you know. what they're all—they all look like they're in pain because of this gas. It's well done.
1: Yeah, I really, yeah, I like the, the as you said the, the the facial expressions, but I also love the um, the, the body positioning, the, the body language, uh, where they're kind of like slightly hunched, so they look a little more menacing. And I like that Jaina has her fist up, like she's like yeah, and like it's a, it's a really nice cover. And you know, the superfins cartoon and even the comic—they had to kind of dance around. The idea of dying, because you yeah, know this was meant for little kids, and they couldn't go straight out. I mean, the the comic did mention death in some scenarios. They their previous issues are the ones with, uh, you know the the, the Drax or whatever, where he was talking about you know eliminating all, all life on Earth. So they they didn't stay away from it entirely. But in the cartoon, you know, the Super Friends were never in danger of dying. It was always they were in danger of being imprisoned or powerless. Or, or frozen, but never dying, because that was just a little too heavy. So here, you've got Superman saying, well, you got Robin saying, we taught Zan and Jaina all our secrets, and then Superman, and now, there's an acknowledge to kill us. So that's, you know, it's just a touch further than what you would typically see. And as you say, all the Super Friends look like they're in agony. You've got Aquaman in the foreground, laying there, looking like he's already dead. So yeah, it's a beautiful cover.
0: Yeah, and Batman, he's 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 hunched over. He, he looks like... He's in real pain. The rest of them are choking. It's it's something. Yeah,
1: it's a really really great and beautifully colored. Uh, it's it. it's just a, it's a grabber a grabber of an image. So okay, let's talk about the plot. Uh, this, <laughs> I tried to uh, as writing the synopsis, I tried to kind of get it down as much as I could. But man, these these seventeen pages are uh, back in back in the day were, were plot heavy. So excuse me for talking for a little bit, everybody. So uh, the Super Friends are investigating a pyramid that has suddenly appeared in the middle of the Sahara. Even stranger than that, the pyramid bears the faces of Xana Jaina. Superman smashes his way in, and inside the pyramid is a still image of a spaceship surrounded by robots. Gleek barges in, which seems to trigger the image to start moving. When one of the robots grabs Gleek, the Superfriends try and stop them, but they seem uh, to be able to hold their own even against the Man of Steel. The Superfriends it into uh, the spaceship to regroup, accidentally shutting the door on Aquaman, who is about to be thrashed by a robot until one woman rescues him via her magic lasso. Inside the ship are two beings who looks, whose looks mir- are the mirror images of Zana Jaina. They are named Zond and Zon- Zahanra. Uh, they say they say that they too are from Exor and are on Earth for an exploratory mission. But when they arrived, these robots suddenly appeared, trapping them inside their ship. They then established a time freeze, meaning that the superfriends have traveled back in time approximately twelve thousand years. As the other superfriends get a tour of the ship, Wonder Woman con- uh, comforts a glum Aquaman who feels completely useless in a desert setting like this. Zond and Zahanra uh, show off the ship's amazing technology, including its engines, which are not mechanical in nature. They are Exorian versions of electric eels who generate an energy field which powers the ship. Suddenly, a strange gas fills the craft, putting all the super friends to sleep. Zond and Zahanra change costumes with Zan and Jaina, who'd waken to learn that their doubles are lying. Turns out Zond and Zahanra are fugitives chased across the galaxy by these robots. Xana uh, and Jaina are tossed outside, where the robots, of course, mistake them for the Z-Twins. They strap the twins to a rocket and send it hurtling into space. Did I mention rolling on page 13? Meanwhile, back inside the ship, the bad guys are altering the structure of the knockout gas so that it turns into kryptonite. This will kill Superman, as well as the other super friends, since all the oxygen in the room will be gone. While on their rocket, Xana and Jane manage to activate their powers and turn into a cloud and an egret. They watch as their robot jailers blow past them, their job presumably finished. Back down on Earth, the Super Friends grow weaker. It seems hopeless until Aquaman realizes he can telepathically command the eels to power up and overload the ship's circuits. They do as commanded, and the poison gas dissipates. The Super Friends apprehend Zahn and Zahanra. Superman reactivates the time freeze, seals up the pyramid, throws it back to Exor, so the authorities can deal with the criminals. Batman asks the Wonder Twins if they learned anything on this adventure. Before they can answer, Aquaman says he has that no one ever truly has to be a fish out of water. Woo! Okay, that was a lot of plot for seventeen issues. So uh, we're gonna go through this beat by beat, of course. But but overall, uh, Jeremiah, what did you think of this issue?
0: I enjoyed this quite a bit. It's out of the one the issues I have read. This one, it has. There's some drama. I mean, of course, there's some silliness. The you know the 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 Wonder Twins look exactly like the people that you know that are tormenting them. What luck! Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I, I did like the issue. It, I mean, there is some there's some tension that's that's nice about it and a little drama and so as someone
1: who as you said you were coming to the super friends uh, kind of you know now overall i mean what was the the plot construction uh, a little not startling that's a little too dramatic of a word but was it was it a little jarring in that in you know a lot of times with these super friends stories things just happen because they do Especially in my case, uh, the... Oh, excuse me. I actually, I, I credited Denny O'Neill here. He actually is credited as Sergius so O'Shaughnessy in this story. Again, I don't understand why when he's been credited as Denny O'Neill in other issues, but whatever. But especially in the Denny O'Neill issues of Super Friends, a lot of this stuff is, like, really crazy coincidence, even for Super Friends. So, like you said, like, oh, what are the odds that uh, these two fugitives would be exact duplicates for Xan and Jaina? And you've got this concept of still images and going back in time and the period. Like, there's just a lot of craziness that you have to just accept and move on, which is something that later comics don't really deal with. I think they had to feel like they were being more realistic. And did that did that kind of storytelling uh, throw you at all? Or is it just like, okay, I'm reading a kid's comic and this is just the way it works?
0: Yeah, it, it, it's, it's sort of like that. It's, because I know this is a kid's comic. It sort of feels to me like one of those old... I don't know, team up stories like something from The Brave and the Bold mm-hmm. where the events just kind of happen without much of any explanation. And you just have to either go along with it to enjoy the story or you know, then or look at yourself, why am I reading the kids' comic, you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> right.
1: Right, right, right.
0: So yeah, I mean I I'm used to that kind of storytelling where it's just like, okay, so this happened
1: yeah all right
0: um i like the
1: splash page we've got all the super friends and the wonder twins uh in the in the sands of the sahara uh i mean you've got the winds blowing and i mean good lord how hot must batman be uh yeah. in that costume standing <laughs> in the sahara desert it's like a what 120 in the sahara and batman's got a cow and a thing at least robin's got bare arms and legs but you know we have to just kind of like all right whatever That batman can can handle all these things I love on page two that, uh, Well, first of all, I like that that, uh, Denny O'Neill slash Surgis O'Shaughnessy layers in the whole Aquaman thing. Right on panel two, where Aquaman says the desert is no place for a seagoing fellow like me. Why are we here, Superman? So I like that initially. Like, Okay, we know this is going to kind of become something uh, that's going to be relevant. I love that Superman just smashes his way in. I mean, that's he you know, they don't even really kind of, they, they, they look and they say, there's no crack in the surface. Superman's like, all right, I'll just smash my way in. And then there's a panel where he rips the chunk off the pyramid and he goes, as usual, I'll repair the damage later. Like, Yeah, sure you will, Superman.
0: Yeah, and, and that, that's probably the one thing that threw me because in, in 2021 eyes, it's like, I can't believe he's just busting in like this. <laughs> you know, he didn't even try. And yeah, I'll fix it later. Okay, yeah. sure. Right, okay, sure. So then
1: they go in and they said we see these robots uh with the uh with the standing around this rocket ship and and I've been saying this every issue uh that Ramona Freyden has drawn which is virtually all of them. I I am I mean a huge fan of hers in general. Uh I love her Aquaman, I love her Superfriends, but I also love her take on sort of retro futurism in that every time she has to draw technology, uh it's far advanced technology. It has a 1950s feel to it which is to me makes it sort of timeless this rocket ship looks like something you would have seen in a 1950s sci-fi movie and so do these robots they don't look like the kind of robots you would maybe see post star wars because of course ramona Fraiden was from sort of a different generation and so her her idea of futurism looks like it does in the 50s but to me it, ha- it gives it a classic look In that these i love these the robots they kind of look like um insects with they're kind of wide they got like antenna and they have these uh, kind of gangly arms uh i
0: just love this whole design what are you are you a fan of ramona frayden's work at all i i do like her work i the more i see it um now the more i appreciate it because it's it's very clean the lines are it's nice and tight you you know exactly what everything is in the picture you know that that spaceship it looks like it could be something out of flash gordon yep um like you said the robots are really neat looking um, but and they don't look overpowered. Nothing looks, you know, like a massive weapon or something like that. Um, yeah, it, it's very well done. It, the image is clear. You, the super friends are seeing these robots. It's obviously a spaceship. It's obviously something that doesn't belong in a pyramid. So what's going on?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I like it a lot. I love when the the one uh, the one robot grabs Gleek. And uh, Zan's like, let him go, which I like because he's sort of like is touching his pet, and then the 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 robot smacks Zan, and the sound effect is SWAT, which I like. I kind of like that, like almost like it's a backhand to like, get away. I think that's cool. So then the robot blasts uh, Superman, and the uh, Superman's like a little like uh, Batman even says, "Are you all right, Superman?" And Superman's like, "I'm not sure," which I like, think he's kind of not sure how these robots can do it. There's a great panel again of Wonder Woman using her last uh, her bracelets. To deflect the laser beams, which is great. That's just she draws that virtually every uh, every issue, and it looks great every single issue. The next page, um, Batman and Robin try and stop the robots. They get knocked on their butt, and then Wonder, um, excuse me, Aquaman gets lassoed by kind of this extender arm of the robot, thrown onto the pyramid, and then we get this panel where he says, uh, "Poor Aquaman says, I should have never left the ocean. The desert is no place for a sea king." And I, you know, I don't remember reading this comic for the first time. It would have been in, like, 1979. But I, I have to wonder what my reaction was the first time I read it, whether I was like, why are we picking on Aquaman so much? Like, you know, I mean, I know we're gonna, you know, it's going to pay off later, but initially I was be like, what? why is
0: Aquaman such a sad sack in this issue? And, you know, where I haven't read a lot of them, I was thinking, geez, I hope Aquaman doesn't come off like this in every issue of Super right. Friends. I mean, he certainly doesn't. But they really are playing up that whole you know, what's this dopey fish dude doing in the <laughs> desert? I mean, they are really s- driving that message home.
1: Yeah. Oh, man. And I love would- that
0: the look on his face when he's lassoed by that robot. Like, it looks mm-hmm. like something out of a kid's humor, you know, a, a funny animals comic, like, mm-hmm.
1: what happened? Yeah, yeah. It's great. We're afraid it is just great. So then he gets he gets left outside, and uh, we, you know, the – they're like we left Aquaman outside, and Rob and Superman's like, and he's in trouble. And they lasso him in, and again, you're just like, oh man, like poor Aquaman is <laughs> such like the, the uh, the the you know the weak sister of this group. It's just so unfortunate. Um, and then again, then we meet Zond Zahanra, who again look happened to look just like the Wonder Twins. Uh, you know why? So do we. We better explain before we lose our minds. And then you know they go through the whole thing and they talk about. That uh, yeah, we look exactly like you. And the, the, this, this whole bit about every thousand years, Exorians produce exact duplicates of themselves. Oh, well, that's that's handy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. OK. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, I also love I, I skipped over it as they were running into the rocket ship. The superman's actually have to kind of turn tail, uh, which is amazing. Uh, and they run into the rocket ship and Batman says, we better head for safety until we can figure out what's happening. And the Superman says, I hate I hate to run but the Batman is the heavy thinker here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What? I mean Superman really comes off like a goon in this comic, you know, just punches a hole. Let's Batman do all the thinking. You know, we, I don't know. It's not, the, it's not the Superman I'm used to. Serious. I mean, this
1: it's, it's kind of funny. We joke, we've joked on, on other shows across the network that like, it's the dark Knight returns that really made Superman kind of like the lunkhead in the in the greater culture that Batman is the strategic thinker and Superman is this kind of the hired muscle. When you gotta think the Superman of the Silver Age and the Bronze Age was an inventor. Was it, you know like he was a yep. smart guy. He was not a dumb guy. And here you've got Denny O'Neill of saying Batman's the real thinker here. I am like what, yep. is what is that about that that line really jumped out of me when I saw it. I thought like, wow Denny, what what are you doing here? And then again as the uh, as Zahn and Zahanra explain, you get that little moment where Wonder Woman Puts her arm out to Aquaman. Again, a great body language. Why so glum, Aquaman? Oh, I don't know. It's just that I had to be rescued. And well, outside the water, I'm totally useless. And it's just like, wow, yeah, Denny is just, he's really kicking Aquaman when he's down. That said, I love the body language on the next page where we find out that the ship is powered by these Exorian eels. And they're all just looking, and it's in a big water tank. And I love the way that Ramona drew Aquaman. It's at the top of page 10, where he's got his hands behind his back, and he's leaning forward like he's thinking, like he's kind of pondering. The rest of them are just sort of looking at it, but he's actually kind of concentrating. And I love that little detail. Like he's sort of putting it in his mind of like, well, this I'll have to remember this for later. This might come in handy. Uh, It's just a really subtle little piece of body language, but Ramona Frayden was so good at that.
0: Yeah, definitely. And the rest of them look like, you know, they're standing around in an aquarium. but it yep. is. And I like I like how she... I'm assuming she did all the coloring as well, right? She did Ram- all the Ramona Frayden? Yeah. No, oh, no. Somebody else did the coloring. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I... some... yeah. This is uh, Adrian Roy. I I like how they did the eyes for Zana and Zahandra to differentiate them mm-hmm. from uh, Zan and Jaina. And their costumes, the way they're colored, they do look really pretty cool. I mean, it's like that would be a neat Earth 2 version of them if they (laughs) look like that all the time kind of thing, you know? (laughs) Ramona draws great evil faces
1: for as gentle as her work was. uh, And this is something uh, I remember hearing about, like, Matt Grenning talked about uh, on the, like, Simpsons commentary tracks where it was like, the Simpsons designs are so simple that all you have to do is add one or two lines to a, to one of their faces, and it expresses so much like you just have to put like one line under Bart Simpson's eyeball to make him suggest that he's tired, and that's all you need is one line and Fradon is able to get across with so little that when uh, then the Zahn and Zahanra change costumes with the, the Wonder Twins, and then there's that panel where um, the evil Zahn, now Zahn is like you are going to replace us these robots are really planetary police. And he's looking and his, his brow is furrowed and it conveys so much again, with so little line work.
0: Yeah, very much. Exactly. Yeah. It's
1: really great. So then there's this whole battle with, they throw, uh, uh, Zan and Jaina out into the, uh, out into the field, the robots strapped to a rocket. And I love <laughs> this is on page 13. They strap them onto this rocket. And in a matter of seconds, they are already in outer space. Like that's how fast this rocket flies. That they are just like, and I don't know. Have we established that that Xana Jana can breathe in airless space? Have we I mean they clearly are because well she says we'll die of suffocation, but like they're already in space by the time like how long can they live? Like if you can't survive without oxygen, it, it it only takes about a second. It's you you're not gonna survive in space at all
0: that it that's the one of the few things in this that actually kind of threw me. And it's like, Oh, uh, this, this is really kind of poor. Cause they acknowledge that they're going to have a problem breathing once they leave yep. the atmosphere and then bam, they're out of the atmosphere yeah. and they're fine. Yeah. So it, I don't, it, it doesn't really work, but I love how the rocket just looks like a giant firecracker <laughs> that you would have gotten from, you know, the acne store yes. in a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs>
1: Their feet are right by where the end, where the blastoff is, and yep. it's like, what? How, what's that? That's like about what ten million degrees, and yet their feet are right by. <laughs> it's fine. Yep. And then the, the Wonder Twins touch, and they they you know Wonder Twin powers activate in outer space, and Xan forms a cloud in outer space. Yep. How does that work?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: and and she becomes an egret. How does an egret fly in outer space without any oxygen to you have the wings generate any thrust. How does that work exactly? Yeah. <laughs> so it's a Denny O'Neill Superfriend story. Again, stuff just happens
0: because Right. You just accept it and it's like, okay, there's a bird in space.
1: Yeah. All right. Fine. Uh, so then we're back down on Earth and the uh, the super friends are trussed up and again the the kryptonite the gas has been changed into kryptonite and everyone is slowly dying. And then Aquaman is the one who realizes, wait a minute, I can do something. And then he realizes he can communicate with the eels. He does the, and uh, the, the eels overload the, uh, the circuit breakers, and the ship, they're rescued. And then the Wonder Twins, uh, the Wonder Twins that made it back down to Earth, Zahn and Zahara get apprehended by the, the Super Friends, and uh, <laughs> Batman throws a batarang. Wonder Woman just grabs the other one. And then I love you guys, at the end of it, Superman, he does what he says he's going to do. He, re- he, he repairs the, the, the pyramid. He sticks the big chunk back in the wall. And then <laughs> he picks up an entire pyramid and throws it back to Exor. So he hurls an entire pyramid through space. Uh, I kind of hope no other members of the DC Universe happen to be flying through space at that moment, or Space Cabby, or Green Lantern, or Adam Strange, or anybody. And I don't know. Maybe Superman could have carried the pyramid all the way to Exor as opposed to just hurling it in hopes that it won't hit anything on the way there. I
0: Honestly, I, I think it, it would have just been... I mean, what are you, two more panels if he'd drawn them, yeah, flying it to Xor, because throwing it I mean, he throws a fastball, and the thing just is supposed to go millions upon millions of miles. And what happens when it gets to Xor? Yeah. Is it, <laughs> it just false? Like, what? did he attach a
1: note? Like, what's going on? I mean, you really could have drawn Superman saying, I'll take this to XOR, and then he's just not in the final couple panels. That's all. Yep. It would have been fine. It's just, again, it's very cartoon. It's very challenging of the Super Friends where this is Superman did stuff like that. I'll, uh, you know, and where your people can deal with them. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's fine. Superman just hurling pyramids through space. Um, and then again, it ends with the the sort of moral with, they asked the me, did you learn anything? And Aquaman is the one who says, well, I learned something. And I, uh, nobody's a fish out of water. And so overall, I mean, you know, everyone knows I'm a, you know, I'm an Aquaman diehard fan. As someone who is, I don't know how much of a fan you are of, of Aquaman in particular, do you feel like it's worth it to dump on Aquaman so repeatedly through the story to get to this ending? Do you feel like the payoff is worth it? it
0: I, I thought it almost went a little bit too far. But yes, I'm glad it did pay off at the end. That was a nice surprise as I read this the first time. That it's like, oh, all right. So there there is a, a something here that he's not such a dope. You know yeah. what I mean? It, that it comes off as having meant something to the to the overall story, the the feelings he had throughout it. So yeah, I, I like that payoff. I thought yeah. it worked well.
1: Yeah, I, I've always given Danny O'Neill a hard time from, uh, you know, De- we're talking, God, 50 years ago at this point, or more than 50 years ago when he wrote Justice League and, like, virtually no Denny O'Neill story, uh, issue of Justice League features Aquaman because he just literally forgot that Aquaman was on the team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, you know, I feel like, okay, he's at least making, trying to make some amends here and giving Aquaman something to do. If you're inclined to say Aquaman was the most useless member of the Super Friends, this story you know, kind of leans into that, as you say, really hard. And then you're like, oh, okay, he's able to rescue at the end and he's the one who comes through and it's great. I, I don't know overall, was it worth it to dump on him this bad just to get to the ending? But okay, it's, it, I'm glad that he, you know, yeah, in in this specific instance, it's his powers that really makes it worth it. So I think everyone can guess who I'm voting as my best friend for this issue. It's going to be Aquaman because he gets to rescue everybody. Uh, he gets the idea, he gets the page to himself or he commands the electric eels. I think he comes off the best. Who would you vote as best friend for this issue? Jeremy? Yeah,
0: definitely Aquaman because at, even though all the characters are here and they all do something, Xan and Jaina and everybody, the only one who has any meaningful dialogue, despite the fact that it's all Debbie Downer dialogue is Aquaman. And then he, he's the one who does save the day, um, you know, mentally commanding the electric eels. And it it does pay off. Maybe the only way, if you improved it, you could improve it by taking out one time where he mm. says, I feel like a, a, you know, useless or whatever. But yeah, he's definitely the the star of this issue.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, so, oh, we also need to do the villain roundup, which in this case is Zahn and Zahanra. I mean, could you see them in the greater d c universe I would think not because they're they're wonder twins characters, and the wonder twins never made it into the proper d c u not until very recently, so they're just kind of a function of uh you know they're 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 there to be evil twins and they really don't i think have much uh life outside of uh the super Friends comic they don't I don't believe they return uh and so we never saw them again outside the d c universe so I don't think they have a i don't think they were terribly interesting as villains
0: other than just plot devices. Do you agree? I do. I mean, I I always wish the Wonder Twins, you know, when I was a kid watching the cartoon, I always wish the Wonder Twins were in the comics. And like I said, I didn't know this comic existed. So I, if they were in the DCU um, proper, yeah, it would be neat if they had evil twins. I mean, because evil twin stories can be fun i guess i like the way the characters look but yeah you're right they're, they're just a it's just a plot device for this this issue yeah absolutely so uh
1: one other thing i wanted to mention before we we wrap up talking about this issue we generally don't talk about house ads uh in this in this uh, show i should because i love old house ads i love the daily planets i love all that stuff uh but but specifically they're in this issue is an ad for the super friends where you can subscribe and it makes sense. Cause of course, if you're liking this comic, I would think you would want to subscribe. Now most uh, DC would do specific, they would do their general subscription page uh, ad pages where it was like, Oh, subscribe to any of these DC series. And then once in a while they would do Batman specific ads or Superman specific ads, or um, sometimes the Western comics, I think Jonah Hex, uh, maybe once or twice got his own sort of subscription page. But here, the Super Friends gets its own page, its own house ad to you want if you're kids, you want to subscribe. The ad itself, uh, which you'll see on the website, finewaterpodcast.com, is interestingly written uh, because we've got the Wonder Twins standing with their backs to the camera and the Super Friends charging at them and they're asking the Wonder Twins what, you know, basically for information about the Super Friends comic. But I don't know, am I reading into this, Jeremiah, that like the tone of the ad
0: is like ever so slightly aggressive from the Super Friends? It, it, very much so. It, <laughs> it, I mean, Wonder Woman has her lasso out spinning. She She's going to do something with her lasso, and it looks like it's directed at the Wonder Twins. <laughs> and, I mean, Aquaman's, you know, Aquaman's pointing at Xan. Yeah, he's got his fist cocked. He's ready to, <laughs> to deck somebody, and they're... I mean, the the dialogue, it, it does not fit the picture because the, the Super Friends, they're ready to pounce. Superman looks kind of angry, yeah. doesn't he? <laughs> it's
1: yeah. like, Aquaman goes, ah, there you are, Zan and Jaina. Ready for your big test? First question, who are the stars of the Super Friends? And then, of course, Zan says, easy. Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Batman, and Robin, and us, the Wonder Twins. Batman. And who else appears in it? Supervillains and, super, and guest stars. Superman says, what sort of stories will you find? Exciting tales filled with action and suspense. Robin, who's the magazine intended for? Jaina, everyone who loves thrills and adventure, from kids to adults. And then Wonder Woman. One final question: How do you keep from missing an issue? And then we have the panel of where they're talking about subscribe. So yeah, it's just kind of like, why are you guys so mad at us? Like we're just standing here. It for a kids comic. It's a just it's just ever so slightly feels angry. I don't really know why, and it's so funny because like the DC subscription ads were always on the serious side when the Marvel ones were goofy. The Marvel ones were always funny and made the characters kind of look silly because I think they were trying to make it like, you know, the turning their, their icons into pitchmen, but the DC ads were sort of all over the map. And so, this ad just—it's beautifully drawn. It's drawn by Ramona Fraiden and presumably Bob Smith. So of course, it's—it's it's gorgeous looking. Batman and Robin swinging into the frame, and Superman and Aquaman. But it's just the dialogue is just a little bit of a like, eh, eh, like all right.
0: Yeah, I mean, he even says that it's, it, it, this, this is a big test. Well, what, what if they get the questions wrong? I <laughs> mean, they're gonna get, get beaten to a pulp by the rest of the <laughs> Super
1: Friends. <laughs> we are gonna replace you with Wendy and Marvin again? You two are gonna be out of the book. So uh, yeah, yeah, I mean. Um were, did you ever subscribe to any comics? Did you ever actually get comics in that form
0: i I did actually my father when the um, when Gladstone had the Disney titles uncle Scrooge Donald Duck and this those um, when they first launched they had subscriptions and I think for uh, at least a year, my father had um got a subscription to Donald Duck and Uncle Scrooge and they would go to his house and when we visit on the weekend we'd We'd read them and then bring them home. But he he was a big Carl Barks fan, so he wow. would read the comics and then give us give them to us. Yeah. Wow, your
1: dad actually subscribed. That's that's I wasn't expecting that.
0: Well, they they were gift subscriptions for my brother and I. Oh, I see. But okay. My, they would go to my dad's house and he would he would read the comics and then, like I said, when we when we got there on the weekends, we we'd read them and bring them home and put them in our collections.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. I
0: remembered I
1: subscribed. I think to Justice League even though uh I always got it but I it it would come in just a brown wrapper and it would come sometimes beat up cuz it was mailed kind of cheaply and it 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 was so funny to kind of watch the progression of the collector mentality uh and I don't say that in a in a mean way but probably from whenever comics could start being subscribed to I don't know if that was in the 40s or the 50s, but when that started becoming a thing, all the way up into the 80s, comics were sent kind of like they were, you know, the the low man on the totem pole. You know, they were beaten up. They were just put in a wrapper with no real protection. And then as as people got a little more into like, hey, I want this to be in good shape, the subscription ads used to say, hey, and we mail them in a protective envelope. They mm-hmm. would They would always, you know, kind of stress, hey, if you subscribe, you're going to, you know, they they're gonna come in good shape. We're not gonna we're not gonna let them get beat up. And so that was obviously they realized that people were like not subscribing because you're like, Well, I don't want my comics beaten up. And that was always back then, that was when that was the way that comic companies could make the most money was being subscriptions, they were sending them directly out. I'm guessing that that's not a thing. I I don't even know if DC or Marvel even offer that anymore. Probably not, right? I guess you could. Know, yeah,
0: there's no such thing as a comic subscription anymore other than a pull list of the yeah. you know, mail order. Yeah. Well, what's even funny about that is this ad says they're mailed flat in a protective wrapper, but all it is is like a brown paper sleeve. Like you yeah. said, the, the mailman is at his discretion to destroy <laughs> this thing.
1: Right, right. Right. Like I said, I rem- I remembered, I subscribed, I bought something from one of these companies at some point, And I remember it came in like a sturdy envelope, like an unbendable envelope. And I remembered even being at the time being like, Oh wow. Okay. You know, they, they they're actually protecting these, but yeah, you're right. It does mention that in the ad, but it's, it's it's just a, it's just a wrapper. It's not it's yeah. not anything that can't be destroyed if the mailman is like, I don't care, just jam it in there with all the Christmas stuff or whatever. So yeah. um so yeah, overall this is a fun issue of the super friends as they always are. I, I do tend to say the Denny O'Neill slash Sergius O'Shaughnessy Shaughnessy issues are a little more wild in that it's it's just crazy stuff happens and let's not pay too much attention. Yeah. Uh, the Exorians create duplicates every thousand years. Fine, okay, just, just move forward. I don't have time to explain all this. Uh, the robots are frozen, and there's a frozen image, and it's in a pyramid, and uh, the pyramid has one the the, the Wonder Twins' faces on it. Okay, fine. You know, it's Denny O'Neill was a little more freewheeling when it came to that. I do yeah. want to mention now that we're at Super Friends number twenty-four, we are officially metaphorically on the back nine of the Super Friends because Super Friends ended with number forty-seven. So we now have less issues of the Super Friends ahead of us than we have behind us. So now we, you know, we, are, we are more than halfway uh, to finishing the run of the original Super Friends comic, everybody. So I just thought that would be worth noting that uh, we've made it. We're, we're halfway through the, <laughs> the Super Friends series. Um, now, you mentioned, Jeremiah, that you have been, you've read some other issues of the Super Friends. What were your feelings about them generally of the ones you've read? Have you enjoyed them all from the, one extent or the other?
0: I do i I think I've read four or five at this point, and I have another two or three that I just picked up recently um I do like the series, I do like the the wackiness of it 'cause it it does feel like the cartoon i don't I, I don't go back and watch the cartoon much these days um but I mean I have seen it and uh, devoured it as a kid hmm. and it feels like the cartoon you know what yeah. I mean Batman is kind of the 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 brainiac of the bunch. And, and the big thinker. Yeah, the big thinker. And, you know, Robin's there and he makes some goofy comment or whatever. And but I do like the when the Wonder Twins are in the comic. I I liked them on the show. So yeah, it's a fun series and that's why I, I keep picking it up when I can.
1: Well that's that's great. You said, you know, you, you told me you bought you have you read this on DC Universe, but you actually bought a hard copy of this issue as
0: well. That's right. So when you reached out, I didn't own it. Um but then a weekend or two ago, I was up at a comic shop. They had, were having a big Halloween half-price sale. They had three issues of Super Friends, including this issue. So, and I, I do buy physical copies still. My collection's pretty large, and I do like owning the physical copy.
1: Yeah, me too. Well, I assume that these were reasonably priced. I don't know. I don't like. I've been talking about it over on Treasury Cast how much Treasuries are just through the roof now. Everyone, even if regardless of whether they have any real value, anyway, everybody's every collector, every uh, dealer is just slapping like a $50 price tag on every treasury. Uh, are super friends like expensive in the, in the back market bin, or was it the sale that, that helped nudge it to where it was affordable?
0: Usually the super friends I get are in the, the cheapo bins, you know, a dollar or two, and they're oh, usually great. in pretty rough shape. Mm-hmm. This one and the other two I picked up at this shop. Um, are really high quality i mean there, there's not a crease on this spine the pages are, all, are still whitish like, so that he he was asking 15 but Ooh. i grabbed it because it was it was a half off sale okay. but it's a fantastic copy normally i see them they're well read i can get them for you know a buck sometimes too something like that well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah, they're meant to be read, you know, <laughs> they're not yes. meant
1: to be like collector's items or whatever. So, well, Jeremiah, thank you so much for for coming on and talking super friends with me. I really appreciate it. Again, we've been trading uh, tweets back and forth for a while now. And so I always like to reach out to people who I, you know, don't have a chance to really talk to directly as much as this is as direct as it can be. Uh, but, but thank you so much for coming on. And why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internets?
0: Thank you. I, I had a great time. Um, I've loved the, the, the network for quite some time. You can find me on Twitter at BigOx737. And I do have a blog that I've neglected for a while, but it's <laughs> comics comicscomicscomics.blog. Um, I do intend to get back to it. But yeah, you can find me on Twitter pretty easily.
1: What is comic? Tell people what that is. Is there a particular focus or is it just whatever comic, talking about whatever comics you want to talk about?
0: It's it's sort of a comics, my comics collection journal. So if I'm finding something that I really liked, I'll, I, I'll write about it. Um, I, for a while, I was talking about the new comics I was getting. What was my favorite comics of the week? Um, that didn't last too long. So I, I kind of go all over the place. But it's, it's mostly just the comics that I like and why I like them, why I bought them, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Gotcha. I
1: said that's uh, I, I still enjoy buying uh, hard copies. You know, there's would uh, when there's a, my, my fiance has a, my, my uh, soon to be brother-in-law uh, lives a couple, lives in Pennsylvania. And we go over there and there's a uh, comic shop, not that far from, from their house. And I always stop in there and I drop like $20 just on hard copies of random stuff you know mm-hmm. and it's still fun to do like oh look there's a copy of the unexpected for 2 bucks i'll buy that you know what i mean yep. that's always a, it's still a fun still a fun thing uh, to do just pick up things that i wouldn't normally be buying and it it's not the kind of like you, know, you don't buy them on ebay cuz then you have to hunt for them it's 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 different yeah uh, but it's one thing to just Kind of be uh, like, okay, like just thumbing through the old long boxes and like, oh, look, there's a issue of the super team family for a dollar. I'll buy that. So that's cool. So again, Jeremiah, thank you so much for stopping by. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I want you to stay tuned. I'm going to play some commercial announcements, and when I come back, I'm going to do some listener feedback. Stellar Studios presents an Into the Weird and a World on Fire production. Starring in alphabetical order. Brainwave Junior, Fury, Jade, Northwind, Nuclon, Obsidian, The Silver Scarab, The Star-Spangled Kid. These are the members of Infinity Inc., the protégés and children of the legendary Justice Society. Created by Roy Thomas, Jerry Ordway, and Mike Macklin their 1980s adventures are chronicled at last by Herman Lowe and Billy D, two podcasters with way too much time on their hands, but dedicated to analyzing, glorifying, and sometimes vilifying the stories from the team's first series. So hop in your Star Rocket Racer, switch on the radio, and let's rediscover the Earth 2 we'd all like to go back to. Star Rocket Radio, an Infinity Inc. podcast, soaring through the puttersphere. Since September 2021,
0: the citizens of Toothopolis remain ever watchful for the cavity creeps! Chris, Chris,
1: we, we make holes teeth. Quick, warn the Crest team. Chris, Chris. Chris, he's Chris, trying to tell us something. The Creep. Fresh, come on hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. let's give them the brush with Crest fluoride oh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. watch treats see your dentist and fight, fight the cavity creeps with
0: like the cresties. Cresties. Fight cavities
1: with crest it's time for listener feedback and these are the comments we got for the previous episode of for all mankind episode 23 with my guest billy d first up is martin gray who says thanks for another fun packed episode and how lovely to hear the talented billy d as guest This was a pretty decent issue, with the debut of the Wonder Twins' secret IDs being a highlight. That's a great detail about Jana using her powers to become Joanna. But if their powers were activated, as she says, does that mean John was made out of colorful ice? Was he a human popsicle? And the hair dye seems a bit much. A wig would be an easier way to hide the ears. Maybe Wally West had lots of his spare hair color-changing formula. Matt Saroy says, always enjoy the show. It's a new comic book experience for me every episode. I first encountered the Mirror Master in an episode of the Super Friends TV show, Reflections in Crime. By then, it was under the title, The Legendary Superpower Show. Mirror Master traps Superman in the sixth dimension, the world behind mirrors, a limbo similar to the Phantom Zone where Superman can, see, can communicate with the real world from inside mirrors. As he flies around looking for a way to contact the super friends, he looks through a mirror, confuses a man who is shaving. When he peeks into another mirror, we hear a woman shriek, and Superman quickly looks away and apologizes, sorry, ma'am, and she says to himself, I'll have to be more careful. Whoops! I have no memory of that episode at all, Matt. I have got to find it. That sounds very funny. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Isamu Hideki Yukonori says that, great show. Some interesting things I found out from my dad from reading this comic. One, this story was actually not the first time the Wonder Twins were in their secret identities, and yet it was. The Wonder Twins' secret identities were introduced in an eight-page Wonder Twins backup story that was originally supposed to be published during the DC explosion, Super Friends 15. But because of the implosion, the story wasn't printed until later, Super Friends 29, which you'll get to soon. The story explains where Zan's special hairspray came from, and it comes with a corny joke. Two, Mirror Master first traveled into a Mirror Dimension in his fourth Flash story, issue number 126. In the story, Mirror Master said he already knew how to do it, but it might be dangerous. He decided he'd rather take the chance in order to escape prison. Unfortunately for him, it worked out. This wasn't the same Mirror Dimension that had the evil Flash and a heroic Mirror Master. Mirror Master discovered that world by accident in Flash 174. Three, Mirror Master's mirror-powered jetpack, actually a light-powered jetpack, was first used in Flash 243. Nice to see it reused. Too bad it wasn't an accessory for the action figure. Uh, Edo Boznar says, Excellent. Your comment saved me from troubling doing the research for that Wonder Twins backup story. I had such a clear memory of reading it and the fact that it basically introduces their high school secret identities with the amazing hairstyles. Robin Billy mentioned them appearing briefly in those disguises. In this issue, I was wondering if a past show had skipped that backup. Edo, we would never do that. How dare you? Uh, (laughs) He continues, another five-star show, and Billy is another outstanding guest. The show seems to attract them. I will say to Billy, though, that Ahem, we old-time Bronze Age fans use the term Marvel Zuvembi rather than Marvel Zombie. Brian Linton says, as soon as I heard that this issue involved mirror dimension shenanigans, I took a closer look at the image gallery and noticed the hotel clerk's button boutonniere was on the opposite jacket lapel in the mirror dimension. I didn't notice any other mirror image flip-flopping in the posted panels, but now I'm curious if Ms. Fraden sneaked, uh, sneaked some in elsewhere in the issue. Does anyone know on what side Barry Allen normally parts his hair? Thanks for another excellent episode. Captain Entropy says, Brian, if I remember correctly, Batman also noticed that in the mirror universe, everyone's buttons and buttonholes were on the sides opposite of where they should have been. I was seven when I read this and I was surprised to learn that A, there were rules or at least common practices about what side buttons were on. D, that girls' clothes had buttons on the opposite side of boys' clothes because it seemed like a pointless distinction. And C, that Batman paid attention to all that. I'm a fan of both Superman and Batman, but I was way more impressed at Batman's knowledge and powers of observation than I was with Superman using microscopic vision to check the direction of people's fingerprints. So, bottom line, your observation puts you in the same league as Batman. Wow. Great, nice. Chris Franklin from our network uh, also points out that mirror master appeared in the legendary superpower show and adds that he uh, thought that might lead to getting a mirror master figure in the superpowers line. Unfortunately, that never came to be a mirror dimension was also seen in the wonderful Justice League unlimited episode flash and substance where mirror master Captain Cold and Captain Boomerang team up to wreck the grand opening of the flash museum. Batman and Orion have to help Flash save a very smitten reporter named Melinda Park from being trapped in the Mirror Master's domain. I can't wait till we get to that one on JLU cast. Me neither, Chris. Tom Perrine says, The blonde hair does make the twins' Scandinavian Exchange student cover story more convincing. Dr. Ann says, "Uh, That was one of the Super Friends comics I owned, so good to rediscover it again. I was a fan of the Flash at this point. His book was actually the first book I collected monthly, or tried to collect monthly off the newsstand. So great to see him and Mirror Master here. I was glad that the Wonder Twins get a little bit of shine as well. I have said before, the margin between Wendy and Jaina is shrinking. Sean M. Myers says, welcome to the podcast. Billy D. you were great. I don't have anything to add about the episode per se, as everyone else covered my talking points, but I did want to say that this issue was one that, as an adult, I deliberately cut up. <gasps> Years ago, when I worked at Borders Books and Music, represent, we had a promotion where you brought a, uh, bought a certain movie, I forget which one, you would get a plastic clock. No one bought the movie. I had about 30 or so of these clocks left over so anyone who wanted one could take one. I didn't care about what was actually on the clock face, so I spray painted over the original graphic and I used the logo from this issue of Super because it was the only duplicate issue that I had where the logo was complete and uncovered by any action on the cover. I put that logo at the top and for the main image, I used the artwork from the two-page Clark Candy Contest sweepstakes. I will say for a free plastic wall clock, that thing lasted for about 20 years or so. I think it was the power of the Super Friends that kept it going for so long. That's amazing, Sean. That sounds really cool. Uh, Is there any chance you still have it? If you do, please send a photo. That would be great to see. Scott McFadden says, great episode as always, Rob. I always enjoy it for all mankind because it introduces me to issues that I've never read before. With most of the other comic-related podcasts I listen to, I usually have at least a passing familiarity with the comics being discussed. But as I mentioned the last time I wrote to you, although I was a big fan of the Super Friends TV show, I never read the comic book version foolishly i always thought it was too young for me your show lets me know what i missed and i love that thank you scott he continues i enjoyed your discussion with billy about how the mirror master seemed rather overpowered in this issue with his ability to travel between dimensions it strikes me that B, was just going along with the tv show in that regard one of the fun things about the show by the uh, was the way as you mentioned sometimes things would happen just because they needed to happen and frankly that seemed to apply to the character's power levels I remember an episode of Challenge of the Super Friends where Toy Man lures the Super Friends through a black hole, which transports them to a distant galaxy where they are trapped in Toy Man's planet of evil toys. Yes, Toy Man, of all people, has his own planet, which you get to by traveling through a black hole. Compared to that, a little dimension hopping from Mirror Master doesn't seem that far-fetched anymore. Fair point. If I can comment on the comments from last time, I wanted to talk a bit about the Super Friends voice cast, in particular, Olan Sewell, the voice of Batman. He was actually a very busy character actor for many years, and once you learn to recognize him, you'll see him popping up everywhere. He had a recurring role on The Andy Griffith Show as Mayberry's choir director and played a lab technician on both the 50s and 60s versions of Dragnet. He also shows up in several of the classic sci-fi movies from the 50s, including Day the Earth Stood Still and This Island Earth, among others. Listen and you'll hear that distinctive Batman voice. I think it's—I always think it's fun to spot these reliable workhorse actors who were never stars but seem to show up in just about everything. Rob McCarthy says, uh, The Superpower Seasons had a bunch of bad guys that never got figures, like, uh, one, <laughs> my PEDLEX, that's wrong but easier to type, two, Mirror Master, three, Royal Flush Gang, four, Scarecrow, and five, Felix Faust. That made me mad. I so wanted a figure of him. Yeah, those all would have been great, Rob. I mean, the Scarecrow has always been one of my favorite Batman villains. And uh, it's a shame that it took uh, the animated series to finally get one. The Royal Flush Gang. I mean, how would you even have done that? I guess sold it as a box set or something. But those all would have been that really cool. Uh, Novotny says, thanks for the podcast. You guys got me to rewatch the entire run of the Super Friend show earlier this year. And while season three with the Legion of Doom was overall my favorite, collected Guardians had some real bangers of episodes like Fear and Wild Cards. Is this a mirror world where all the text should be backwards? Because Robin and Aquaman examined the hotel register closely, but noticed nothing out of the ordinary. Protege, the world's greatest detective, nothing unusual here about these names. Aquaman, hmm, yes, that is surface world writing, indeed. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and then Cellar Dweller says, "Hello, Robin, Billy D, Thanks for the podcast. Got this issue as a kid, and it was very psyched to see a big part uh, the Wonder Twins played in it. One thing that did annoy me was the reasoning by Zana Jaina. The cartoon played up dumb for them, but the comic made them smarter. However, I cringed reading this. Zan, if he were in that place, he'd expect me to come in as part of the water. Jaina, but he'd never expect water to flow through the mirror house. What? Mirror Master isn't going to notice a sudden stream coming into the mirror house? Regarding wishing there was a challenge in the Super Friends comic book, what I had wished for was the Super Friends to become a dollar comic and have it mirror the all-new Super Friends series, a small tale for a few of the Super Friends, a Wonder Twin solo, the main story, and then a closing short with a guest star. See you all in about a month. Oh, wow, Chuck. That I, I, Have I read that idea before? Have I, if I haven't, it's genius. That would have been amazing to see a Super Friends dollar comic. That by itself would have been cool. And then to have it mirror... Oh, that's the word of the uh, of this feedback section. Uh, have it mirror the format of the cartoon. That would have been so cool. I, I just I man I'm in love with that idea. I mean, It just would have been so cool to like have a dollar comic and then you know Rima shows up in the uh, fourth story. That is a really cool Chuck. Where idea Chuck? Where were you in 1979? Uh, that DC Comics needed you. So anyway, uh, that's going to do it. Thanks so much for the feedback, everybody. Uh, big thanks to Jay Jonah Goldstein for stopping by and being my guest. This episode it was great fun to talk to him. As always, uh, we're always talking super friends over on Twitter at For All Mankind SF. You can find back episodes of the show on our website, findwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to For All Mankind to Super Friends Podcast on any podcatcher of your choice. And then finally, if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, just go to Patreon.com FW Podcast. There you can unlock various rewards. You want to wish it to be named, checked on a show of your choice. So big thanks to Chuck Dill, Stanford and Brown. Gord Tolton and David S. Gutierrez for their support of the network. Very much appreciate it. So that's going to do it. Thanks for listening to For All Mankind. Join us next episode when we look at Super Friends number 25, Puppets of the Overlord.
0: An FWTV podcast.